Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Podcast. Guys, how would you like to work with me and Stephanie? Just real quick, just a couple hours, but we'll really dig into your practice and talk about how to work smarter and not harder thriving in the summer of COVID. We're doing it. We're doing a workshop, super interactive. Do not think that Steph and I are going to stand up and lecture at you. Don't think it's going to be like this podcast where you're just listening to us talk and you're sitting quietly. We are going full in workshop, high interactivity. We are going to match you up with other practices that are similar in size to you, that have similar concerns to you, that have COVID levels similar to yours in your area. And Steph and I are going to do some instruction. We are going to do discussion groups and really talk about what works in practices like yours. That is going to be Wednesday, July the 15th. We're going to do it at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Two hours long, me and Stephanie. It's $99 registration. I'll get the details up for you ASAP on where you can get that, but uh, but just know that it's coming, and uh, we would love to have you there. This is free for Uncharted members, so if you're an Uncharted member, you're in. Just uh, jump on the registration when we put it in the community, and uh, we will work with you. So guys, that's what Steph and I have coming up. I hope that you're going to enjoy it. With that, let's get into this episode. And now. The Uncharted Podcast. Hey guys, Dr. Mark Alcott is a friend of mine. He's a uh, emergency veterinarian. He came to the first Uncharted Vet Conference. His company, Vitus Vet, is on a mission to help front desk heroes with easy-to-use technology that reduces phone calls by 70% while boosting revenue. You'll have more time to do what you do best, and that's help clients and heal pets. The Vitus Vet platform includes unlimited two-way texted picture messaging, digital service and refill reminders, appointment scheduling, a practice app that's branded to your practice, monthly payment plans for clients, and checkout tablets that work anywhere. It's all included, and it integrates with most veterinary PIMs, Uncharted listeners get two months free. Learn more at vitusvet.com slash uncharted. That's vitusvet.com slash uncharted. And we are back. It's me and Stephanie working nine to five unless a pet owner shows up at 450 and then she's there all night. Goss! <laughs> that's not true. That's not That's not who you are. Oh, man. <laughs> that's not true. That that is that is not true, and it is true. Yeah, it's been true. <laughs> it's been true. Oh, it's been true. How's it going, Andy? Mm. It's good. Making it through the summer uh, with all the summer camps canceled. Yeah. So uh, so a lot that. of a lot of family time, guys. A lot <laughs> of family time. Ugh. I feel that. <laughs> it's hard. It's so hard to balance. I mean, it's hard enough when the kids were out of school, but at least like the last few months, I don't know about your kids, but mine were regularly doing schoolwork and stuff. And so I could redirect them and get chunks of time to work. But now that it's like summer and they're just here with nothing to do, it is so overwhelming to try and balance working and having the kids around. Yeah. I, uh, I am gamifying, uh, their lives right now. I told you this, I'm gamifying their lives. So, uh, so yard work, uh, is a two for one uh, yard work time for Minecraft time. So for every two <laughs> minutes it. of yard work they do, they can have a minute of Minecraft. And I just keep Minecraft like it's in the control drug box. Like that. That's how. Like that's how I deal in Minecraft. Uh, is is tight reins 
And then the same thing on on TV or YouTube or things like that. Um, So tight reins. But yeah, I I am I am totally doing deals. Uh, I've got a they um, they do exercise and stuff, and I'll trade exercise time for Minecraft. I'll trade uh, yard work time for Minecraft. I'll trade house cleaning time for Minecraft. I love it. uh, But I yeah, but I but I do it. So I control the screens. And the, the smartest thing that I did was setting up the program so that it's not every day me and me being like, ah, what can they do? It's like, no, I came up with a good list of things that they could do that are renewable. So whenever right. they want to go work in the yard, I know I know of things that they can do. I know there are weeds to be pulled and grass to be mowed and like I can consistently get them there. They know what it means to have a clean kitchen. They know how to clean bathrooms. They know how to fold laundry. You know, all of those things. And yeah, anyway, we... We have worked hard to gamify it so that the girls have stuff to do if they want to do fun stuff. But um, Minecraft time, ice cream is a big motivator at our house. We don't, yep. and we don't tend to keep it, so uh, so sure. it's a big deal for us to get it. There are things that they can do to get ice cream or to have me pick up, uh, you know, a candy bar or a soda or something at the grocery store. And these okay. are minor things that most people take for advantage, but my kids don't get them. Like we don't yeah. keep soda. And yeah. candy, and because I'll eat that, because I'll eat the heck out right. of it. I am, I'm an environmental <laughs> eater. Like that's why I'm, I am yes. hard on the tech snack drawer because if it's, if I'm near it, it calls to me, and that's yeah. why I just don't have anything like that in my house. So, so it coming in the house is a big deal. So anyway, that's gamifying the behaviors that you want. Um, works, works in the practice, works uh, for summer camp too. Apparently, I love it. I love it. What do you got? Well, we've got one that's been hanging out in the mailbag for a bit, and uh, and and this has been one that I've wanted to do. And when I was thinking about what's going on in our practices right now, when we originally uh, started talking about this one, it's a regular occurrence, I think, for a lot of us, no matter when it happens. Right now, during COVID, I know we're seeing a lot of challenging clients. And so I think that this um, concern and issue is, is so important to talk about right now, because I think it's something that a lot of us are struggling with. So um, we had someone send in uh, a note about, you know, what do you do when you have that client where the guy walks in at 1256 on a Saturday when you close at 1pm, and says that his dog that has a, you know, for the last five days has been having some symptoms that point to a UTI and they absolutely have to be seen today. What do you, what do you, what do you do with that? How do you handle that? How do you, how do you respond? Um, And I think we are seeing this kind of behavior constantly in the clinic right now with, with COVID we're all overwhelmed. Our schedules are all fouled up because we had weeks to months of split teams. Some of us still in endemic areas are, um, are working in split teams still. And so our capacity is down. Uh, And we have also reached the point, I think, for a lot of us, um, or for most of us, um, where people, the general public, they're tired of being isolated. They're tired of being confined. They're not following the rules. The boundary lines are getting blurred. And they're becoming increasingly um, belligerent and Mm -hmm. somewhat aggressive in expressing their... Uh, frustrations with our policies and our protocols to try and keep our team safe, to try and keep our clients safe. Um, And so a lot of us are really struggling with what the heck do we do with this when we know that the pet needs to be seen and we're booked out for a week and a half 
and it's four minutes to close on a Saturday. And we want our team to have the half a day of rest that they get during the week right now because they're busting their butts. What do, what do we do with that? Yeah. Okay. This is, um, this is an interesting conversation. It's always an interesting conversation. It is a different conversation because of COVID. So let's be clear about what we're talking about because otherwise this will just go all over the place. So the okay. first distinction I want to make right now is we are specifically talking about the client that walks in 15 minutes before close and uh, at the time of COVID, meaning that we have a backlog, we are not able to get people in, uh, we have you know, we've turned clients away or, or mm-hmm. there are – I guess what I'm saying is – there are things about our practice that prohibit people from coming in. So I, I, I feel differently about clients that are having trouble getting in because of us versus clients that have a difficulty getting in because of them. If right. they just don't get in the car and come to the clinic until 10 minutes before it closes, I feel very differently about that as opposed to, we can't get an appointment because you guys are full. Those right. are not the same thing to me. And so right. I just wanted to say we are talking about the latter right now. Correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, okay. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I know. This is important. Uh, we got we, this is nuance, and so so we're we're going to get here. And so I just want to put it really clearly on the table. I will speak in in as broad a terms as possible, but I need people to understand that we are talking about this in terms of the yeah. of a COVID backlog. Well, I think that people need to talk about it in that context, because I think, mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, we have a podcast that we did early on where we talked about um, boundaries. And for me, mm-hmm. this is very much a boundaries conversation. Um, and so I think the concept of like uh, the client who waits and now it feels like an emergency on their part for lack of planning but it doesn't feel like an emergency on our part. I think that that is very much a separate conversation. And we, and we did yes. a podcast episode early on about um, setting some of those, those boundaries in a healthy way. Um, yeah. And so I, but I, and I think that COVID very much compounds that behavior for a yes. lot of clients with our inability to get them in. And yeah. it's still a boundaries conversation because the reality is at some point we have to have, life outside of the building and we have to be able to sleep and eat and pee at sometimes at some point. And so, um, it is still very much a, a boundaries conversation within the confines of COVID. It, it, is, it is, but it, in my mind, and I'm happy to unpack this and we will unpack this. It is less of a boundaries conversation than it is, uh, six months ago, mm-hmm. six months ago, I felt very different about this than I feel right now. And I'll unpack that. Fair. And so, yeah, so we're going to talk in some nuance between there is a boundaries conversation, but in my opinion, it is also a, um, to some degree, it's an ethical conversation Mm -hmm. and it's a conversation about our responsibility to clients and pets. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that's, that's always, it's always, there's always a trade-off between boundaries and responsibility to people who trust us. Like that, that, that's always, that's, it would be easy if that wasn't the case, but it's always that case the scale there's the scales are weighted a little differently right now yeah. because of COVID depending on where you are. And so this is a more complicated conversation, but I still think we can lay down good advice for regular life, mm-hmm. but I want to put the COVID stuff on top of that. And so, mm-hmm. so if this sounds different than what I usually say, if you've heard me talk about this in the past, that's why. 
Okay. So I let's like start it. unpacking this. Um, I had a client come in um, a couple of weeks ago, and it was about 10 minutes before we closed the door. And it was exactly this case. is a dog. He's like a urinary tract infection. The problem started like two weeks ago. And we said, oh, we closed in 10 minutes. And he goes, that's great. I'm glad I made it before the doors closed. And he just sat down. <laughs> in the, I'm not kidding. He sat down in the waiting room. And the front desk, like, they were like, he's just sitting there. And I was like, well, I guess we're going to have to deal with this. You know? And, it, yeah, it's it was ridiculous. But he said, "Well, I'm glad I made it." And he just he just oh, sat down. And then like that's with, with the not like a tell me where to go posture, right? But in the like like it it was an effort for him to sit down. Like his whole body relaxed into the chair. You know what I mean? Like it looked like it was going to take a lift table and two technicians to kind of get him buck out of the chair because he had just completely gone uh, like he'd like, yeah, he'd gone limp. Uh, it's uh-huh. like, it's like, it's like my daughter. It's like, it's like you see parents in, in, uh, in the grocery store and their kid just goes limp uh-huh. and, they're, and they're trying to pick them up and they're ragdolling on the floor. <laughs> like that, that's essentially what this guy did in our lobby uh, 10 minutes before we closed. So, Fantastic. so that, that's, that's the case. So this is, this was top of mind for me. Um, and this, I, this, like I said, this, it's been a little while. I, I think it was probably pre COVID when this happened, but it's still clear in my mind because of the guy. So, all right. Um, so how do you, what, how do you, like, how do you even get, so I imagine your CSRs, their faces are probably just priceless. And then they come into the treatment room or into the pharmacy or hallway or however the clinic is laid out and go, uh, Hey, Dr. Andy. <laughs> so, here, so here's what, what happens. <laughs> I've never told this story. Here's, here's, here's what happens. I'm comfortable telling you. The guy, the guy is great. He's really nice. Everything worked out fine. Um, uh, <laughs> so the front desk comes. And they're like, hey, Dr. Rourke. Um, so there's a guy. And he has his dog up front. And uh, they need to be seen. And, I, and I, of course, I, I looked at the front desk and said, it's 10 minutes till 6. Uh, you know what our policy is, <laughs> you know, about <laughs> people who come in after 530. Like we, right. And, right. and we'll get to that when we start talking about how this is all set up. But right. I, I, I was actually confused as to why they were kind of there you know what i mean and i don't mean to be a jerk but it's like our front desk is great you know like like don't like they are great and so i don't get these calls right you know what i mean like i don't don't get these questions because my front desk is great and um and they they know what they're doing and so i was kind of confused at first i was like what why are we having this conversation and, and I can't remember exactly what I asked, but something along those lines and they told the story of the guy sitting sort of sitting down and um, and then the, my technician came in, and, you, and like we just kind of huddled up. The three of us like, I don't know. He's just sitting there. I don't know what to do. And like we were, we were just kind of par- like paralyzed with like he's like he's essentially kind of having a, a sit in, right, in our lobby, right. Like, you know what I mean? Um, over this thing, and it's like, has, and I was like, has it been really been going on for like two weeks? And they were like, yeah. He says it's like two weeks. Um, and it really bothered me because obviously in this case, I've I've it's one thing. And we talk a lot about this in our other episodes and as far as giving people options and choices. Um, so, you know, I talk about this when I, when I talk about people having to wait. And uh, say we're running behind schedule and we go out and I say, hey, sorry, we're running behind schedule. We have some emergencies, blah, 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 blah. I give them some options and I would say, oh, would you, you know, would you like to wait? Right. And they say, yes, I would like to wait. That's a big difference over just making them wait. Right. Because they elected to wait. Right. Decisions are often that way. 
where it's one thing for me to, to be like, Hey, do you want to help this person? Do you want to go see this guy? Do you want to squeeze him in versus he is sat down right? and now I have to deal. So, <laughs> right. so that affected my emotions towards this person, um, for, you know, for, for obvious reasons. And so it, it really was this weird conversation. And I, just, I rolled around for days afterwards because, um, you know, what do you do? And of course the guy turned out to be the nicest guy and his dog was so sweet. It was just a wonderful dog mm-hmm. that I wanted to help. And it didn't take that long to do it. You know, right. the, the longest thing was debating, what are we going to do? Right. And we were like, like <laughs> let's do this. Right. Uh, we all want to go home. Let's get this done. And so then when we, when we just did it, it was just over, but it still felt kind of like a violation of my principles in some ways, because I kind of got steamrolled, you know what I mean? Into, into doing this, which again, I don't regret. So it's a complicated you know, philosophic thing for me. I'm sure we've all had that, you know, had that mentality of, I don't regret that I did this. Right. I don't like the way that I, it shaped up so that, you know, it came to be. So anyway, that, that's kind of, that's kind of how it started. Um, the, the point from that story, I, I guess the, the, the first thing I, I would start to unpack is, um, it was odd to me because we did the first thing that you have to do, which is to build systems. Like we have systems. Right. And so that that's 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 kind of the, the first part I want to pack. So um, let, let's let's just jump into this. And, and so that, that's kind of the story. I'll, I'll give you that as some context. We'll come back to it. I use it as an example as we kind of go through and, and, and say, I, I'm not saying I got it right. I'm I'm just saying that we've all seen this and it, it is it is a good example. I'll sort of tell you how my thoughts on the situation kind of evolved over time. But um, but yeah, Steph, let's get started here. We've got people coming in. Uh, they uh, they're getting mad. Let's use our guys example. In the time of COVID, let's say that it, this is now and um, it is hard to get into our practice and he comes in and he just sits down and he's just like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not leaving. This happens generally. So I'll, I'll tell you my, my philosophy on a lot of things in practice is the first time it happens, we just get it done. Right. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like this guy, yeah. I, I don't think we're going to argue with him. Um, I think we'll spend more time and energy arguing with this right. guy with more potential negative fallout, like online reviews, angry right. clients, blah, blah, blah. Then if we just, we can do a urinary tract infection appointment in three and a half minutes if we just turn it around. Right. And yes, he's not going to get the full Dr. Andy experience of, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm just right. being honest, of of um, of that relationship time, that talk time. You know, he We're closed. We're past closed. I'm doing him a favor by getting his dog in and getting him treated. Um, it, you know what I mean? Like that, that, that's just, I think that's just a, a reality. So I, I, and that, that's my boundaries. I'm not willing to stay here an extra hour past close. Like my kids are waiting for me to get home because they're, they don't have summer camp and they're, mm-hmm. they're waiting. For, uh, <laughs> so, so I do, I still have some, some boundary stuff. I, I do, I do a quick cost benefit analysis in my head arguing with this guy who doesn't want to leave is going to take more time and has more potential fallout and does not have any of the benefits of just being efficient and getting his stuff done yeah. and getting him out the door and maybe not wowing him with my conversational skills right. this time. Competent, good work, very kind, very friendly. I'm not trying to make him feel guilty, but I'm also not going to spend my evening here uh, hanging right. out with him. And yeah. so I just be like, honest. So, so the first thing I do is, is when something like this happens, the first time it happens, just get it done. Just do it, right? Mm-hmm. And if it happens once every three months, just do it. 
Right. You know, it's just right. not worth. I see so many of us make ourselves so miserable and we come home and we post on social media. It's like, how dare clients come and do this thing? And then we just, oh, we talk about it uh, with our, with our spouse at dinner about like, ah, oh, this thing happened and blah, blah, blah. There are some things that are just not worth dwelling on, you know? And, um, and part of that is being a vet. And again, I said, there's a lot of nuance here. So I don't want people flying off the handle, um, and saying, oh, he says you just suck it up. I didn't say you suck it up. I said, we pick our battles, right? I said, we pick our battles and sometimes we have to do things we don't like. And if it's once every quarter, once every three months, you know, twice a year, just do it, just do it and feel good about doing it. Yeah. And go on with your life. Like that, that is my, as my advice. Right? Mm-hmm. And again, it's a hundred percent opinion, but that's how I feel. Okay. And, um, I think a lot of people, they, they get wrapped up in the injustice of it. And there's a lot of injustice in, in vet medicine, right? In pet, in pet care, look at all the pets in shelters. Like talk to me about justice there. You know what I mean? There's it, a lot of stuff is not fair. And a lot of times we, we do things cause they're the right thing to do. And we didn't get into vet medicine you didn't mean to, yeah. to be hardcore professionals who, you know, bill by the minute, you know, like right. lawyers do. It's, it's not who we are. It's not the culture of our industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, just, I don't know if that's that, that did that. We all are here because we want to help. Right. And so when those things happen, my opinion is, again, this is when they happen infrequently, just, just do, do the work and choose to feel good about doing the work. Right. As opposed to choose to feel resentful about how it went down. And that is, that is a choice that, that we make. So, um, so I make that call. The other thing that really trips people up, I think when things like this happen, like once every quarter or even maybe once a month and it's not, maybe it's not a big deal. It, it, every, again, there's so much nuance here and every, everyone's situation is different. Um, you know what I mean? If you have, um, if you're a sick kid at home, that's different from if you're, you know, your my wife goes out of town, you know, to see to see her sister and takes the kids. And I mean, I you know, again, I don't, I don't want to take my text night, but it's not as big a deal for me as, as maybe for other people to sure. to, to stay. With so all that all of that is nuance. The other way that people get really um, tied up on this is that they buy wholeheartedly into the idea of precedent, right? Right. This precedent, mm-hmm. and if I let this guy succeed in his tactic of coming in. And plopping down with 10 minutes left and not leaving, then that idea, he'll tell all of his friends that that's what he did and they'll become inspired. And then we'll have people just (laughs) flopping onto the floor and ragdolling every day. And we'll be dragging uh, (laughs) limp women out the door and dropping them in the parking lot because because they're resisting leaving the clinic without being seen and it will be a disaster and I will never go home and I will become an insomniac who doesn't sleep and my mental health will break down and I'll be in an asylum because the clients flop down in the waiting room with 10 minutes before closing. And I did not fight the fight back at the time the first guy came in and I should have, because that was the precedent is everything down the hill. We catastrophize. We catastrophize the heck out of it. We, we, we do. Yeah. And so I'm just putting this up front as, um, as things that, that have helped me be happier and know this is going to happen. Yeah. We just, um, you know, we run a media company, we run, uh, anchor media and, uh, we do a lot of communication stuff and pe- <laughs> a lot of people don't read. 
They just don't read. And you yeah. can send them instructions 12 times and they will be like, I was not told this. And you go, I told you, I called you, told you, I sent it to you and told you. And again, anyone who deals with people has had that exact experience. Yeah. We yeah. know that they're going to do these things. It's just part of dealing with, with people, right? And so part of it is choose happy. You know, choosing to say, this happened. I helped this person. I dealt with it. I would like to enjoy my evening. So I'm just going to choose to feel good about squeezing this one last person in, staying a little bit late, helping them out and going home. And I'm going right. to be, I'm going to feel good about myself because it's my choice to feel good versus be angry that I was forced into this. And so I choose that. Um, and so I put that forward as the first uh, option. And that's what I did with this guy. It wasn't a big deal. It was a urinary tract infection. We can do this fast. It's okay. And I only say this, and again, I just keep coming back to this because I don't want people to, to misinterpret what I'm saying or, or really get upset that I'm, that I'm, I'm tearing down boundaries. I'm not, this doesn't happen very often at our practice. It very rarely happens. And so when it happens, rather than fight that battle, I just see the appointment, right? So how do you, how do you feel about that? Am I, am I a terrible person? Are you, no. are you fuming at me? For not following the rules, am I am I tearing down personal boundaries? Like like when I tell you that story and that that's how I feel about this case, what do you no, think? No, I don't I don't um, disagree at all for several reasons. The first of all, the first of which is, um, I very much believe that we teach clients how to treat us, and so in meeting this client with kindness. Um, and giving him some rules and some boundaries and structures. I imagine your team probably said, you know, we're getting ready to close, but Dr. Annie said he will, you know, he will see you. We want to get you taken care of. Let's, you know, let's get you and fluffy into a room or whatever. You're still, you, that is a teachable moment. You mm -hmm. can still teach and start to train that client the with their rogue behavior that this yes. is not something that is normally acceptable but you're also teaching them how you want to be treated which is with kindness we if we were that person who had a crazy day at work and we ran home and we found that our dog had been you know vomiting or they'd been peeing in the house but we hadn't had time to deal with it and now there's blood in the pee and we rushed the dog to the to the clinic we would want to be treated with that same kindness and empathy and so i think that you're totally right i think where a lot of clinics struggle with this is that when it's the one-off person, it is very easy to reframe mm -hmm. it for ourselves the way you did. Even if you've got something, even if you've got a sick kid at home, it's like, okay, look, the, I just like, let's just get it taken care of. Let's get it done. Um, when it happens over and over again, which is, uh -huh. where, which is where I think for two reasons, COVID plays into this. One, we're seeing it more frequently than we have maybe in the past. Um, and what was before maybe an occasional issue for people is now becoming repetitive. Um, it, it becomes that struggle. You, you say this, you say this a lot. I, it's uh, one of the lessons that I, that I have learned in working with you, which is where when something happens over and over again, at some time, at some point it stops being, a, you know, the one-off occurrence and it has become your business model. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is, this is the case where you have to, narrow down that lens and look really critically at this and say, is this a one-off thing that I'm just really frustrated about because me or someone on my team or whatever had personal 
things happening where we wanted to get out of the clinic at one o'clock on a Saturday and we, we wanted to be out the door. And so we're extra angry or extra frustrated at, at this because it's situational or is this an instance where it very much has become our business model and everybody is frustrated because it's happening over and over again? Yeah. Uh, yes. And, and that is, that is the switch. Um, it is not worth it to me to be angry when I go home about the guy who came in and it was the first time this has happened in two months right. and, and, and I had to stay 20 minutes late. Right. Choose happy, you know, just be happy. Now, if it's the second time this week, that that has happened. At some point, it is worth my time and effort to be angry. At some point, I am not naive and I am reading the writing on the wall. And this is not a surprise anymore. This is the business model is that we right. allow people to come in and get in at the end of the day. And and I go home, you know, when I'm actually going home, not when I should be going home. And right. so there is that switch. And we all have to decide where that line is of it's a one off. It's OK. I'll just handle it this time. Um, and, and again, there's so much nuance there too. It's one thing for him to come in with a urinary tract infection. If he comes in with a dog that's got a foreign body obstruction, that's a different conversation because yeah. that is not a 20, uh, 15 minute appointment like that. You know, that is a thing. And so there's, there's so much nuance there. And, and that's why this can be so challenging for so many of us. And again, it's easy for business consultants to just say, this is the line when you're in the trenches, right? When you're the one seeing the appointments, when you're the one who went to vet school, you're the one who went to tech school, when you have these ethical feelings and these moral standards of like, this is why I do this, it's, it's more than a job for me. Uh, it, it's, it's part of my self-identity. It's not so easy just to say, this is the thing. And again, I'm just being real honest here, which is um, unfortunately not the cleanest way to discuss this, but I think it's the most useful because it's the most real. And I think a lot of times we kid ourselves about what's possible. All right, so that's the line. Gang, do you ever think that your practice just might be overpaying to accept credit cards? Are you confused with you uh, when you read through your credit card processing statements? Look, if you do, you're, you're not alone. Merchant Cost Consulting has the ability to reduce your credit card processing fees without switching your current payment processor, your bank, or your practice management software. Look, let me give you an example. If you're currently using Covetris and it integrates with WorldPay, let's just say, all that would stay the exact same. You simply let the experts at MCC reduce your credit card processing fees to the bottom line. Again, without changing anything. Merchant Cost Consulting can do an initial audit of your statements. They can present potential savings and they can even talk to you about the recouped fees that you're eligible for. And then they'll go get that money for you on your behalf. They're compensated only by sharing what they save your business. And that's it. If they can't save you money with your current processor, then you don't pay them a dime. Go to merchantcostconsulting.com uncharted to learn more. Just just go check it out. See if see if you can save that money. Merchantcostconsulting.com slash uncharted. First things first. When I am not angry, right? When I and this is the time that I go home and I've I got stuck at the office and I'm furious, that's not the time to set policy. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Fury is not the time to set policy. Right. But I need to think on this. And this is a recurring problem. And we need to fix it. We need to fix it at a systemic level. And so the reason that I was kind of surprised when this technician comes back is because at our practice, we have a pretty good system. We do not see appointments after 530 and we okay. close at six. Our okay. last appointment is at five. We have our last scheduled appointment at five and it ends at like, you know, it's a five. We do 30 yep. minute appointments. We, we are white glove practice. We spend a lot of time with people. Last appointment is at five. 
generally done at 5.30. We had that extra buffer to wrap up to make any last-minute phone calls, things right. like that. Like, when we have that, we know that there are going to be people. We may be, we may be running a little behind. We've had, we take walk-ins, and so we do sometimes have some walk-ins, and we need to get those people done. Sure. So last appointment's at 5. We do not see anything new that comes in the door after 5.30, and our front desk has been trained to communicate right. that. And that's right. a big failing in a lot of practices. They say, hey, Carol, don't take anybody after 5.30. And Carol doesn't know what to say to this person. Right. And then they walk in and Carol's like, you can't be here. And, and but, but she doesn't, yeah. you know what I mean? Like she, and she doesn't right. even know why she's like, you can't be right. here. Cause our doctors want to go home. Right. Like, <laughs> I, that gets said. <laughs> well, that's, that's where I most often hear. Well, our policy is when they go, oh, that's a terrible say, thing. When they don't know what to say is when that tool comes out and it's a very, very blunt tool and it does more damage than it does uh, good right it, it varies with personality like, let me just say and this is you know we joke a lot about you being the handbook person and me not being the handbook person if you want to see me lose my stuff tell me what your policy is when i want to do the thing that i think is really important right because i will uh i've gotten better as i've gotten older and i've got a pretty good poker face but it still cracks when i hear that but boy when i was younger i would just lose it cuz i don't give a crap what your policy is right and, and again i'm just again i'm just being honest and i think it's important to put ourselves in the mind of the client right. the client doesn't know what you have going on right, right? and the, right. and they don't see your life and, and we talk about this a lot especially in, in emergency medicine i feel so sorry for emergency vets because when people come into the emergency clinic, it is the emergency vet's seventh appointment of the night. But to that client, this is a once-in-a-lifetime occurrence mm -hmm. when they have rushed into the vet. Right. And so there's weird disproportionate you know, realities here uh, of the vet going, look, you're in exam room three. I've got two other exam rooms going, you know, blah, blah, blah. And this person going this is one of the most important nights and experiences of my life. Right. And that's so, I mean, it's just, it's true. And, and, and we should just, we should just know that. And, and, and I think thinking about that helps me to empathize with the pet owners of, yeah, you know, uh, of, of how they're, how they're feeling when they, when they, when they burst in. Yeah. And so I think that, I think that there's truth to that and, and we need to, we need to, to look at that. Yeah, I think it's really important because we all we all know any of us who have dealt with the client end, which is all of us, that clients with sick pets aren't always rational. Like they're they're very much uh, emotional and they are living in the moment. And so you you often can't rationalize with someone when they're in that frame of mind. And so telling them this is our protocol, this is our policy, you're trying to go you're trying to go rational and that doesn't, doesn't go, goes away. Sometimes they're a hundred percent rational. They're just really emotional. So being right. emotional and being irrational are not the same things. If yeah. my dog gets hit by a car right. um, and I bust into the vet clinic, you better believe I am emotional. I may be sure. a little bit irrational, probably understandably so. Right. Because it's my best friend. Right. Um, but you better believe that I'm emotional. And so let's just do go around the room real fast. Raise your hand if you see a scenario where an emotional pet owner whose dog was hit by a car bursts into the room and they get turned away from service because it's not the policy of the practice right. to take pet owners after this time, right? Like, 
We, we, we all get that. And, and again, I know there's probably some people being like, Andy's arguing against personal boundaries. I'm not. Just just listen. Bear with me. I'm going to argue this one way. I'm going to argue it back the other way. Um, <laughs> To, to find to find the middle, but um, but that's that's true. Like let's 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 be honest about the the uh, perception of the pattern. The other thing is this, you know, I um, I want my pet owners to trust me, and if my clinic is going to say to them, "We're here when you need us, we care about you, we send you, we sent your pet a birthday card, mm-hmm. but here you are, bloody dog in hands." And it's not our policy to take clients after five thirty. How how do you square that? You know, like like really, how do you square that? So you you can you can take it, but you see where I'm going. Well, because I think that for all of us, we we all have big, huge hearts, yeah. and I don't know anyone that I have ever worked with or that I could ever imagine working with in this field who, in that situation would turn to the client and say, sorry, we don't see, we don't right. see patients after five. The gray zone comes from when it's not a dog that has been hit by a car, but it's a urinary tract infection mm-hmm. or it's a gross stinky ear infection, or maybe they've even been vomiting all day and there's some blood in the vomit. Now it's those shades of gray where our scientific medical brains know this is not an emergency, but yeah. to the client, it very much feels emergent and and important and so that is the gray zone that we struggle with the most because we want to say this should fit in the square boundaries box but from the client's perspective it can still feel as scary as the you know oh my gosh my my pet has been hit by a car right like i think that's where most of us struggle right And, and, and so so my 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 point in doing this example of the dog hit by the car is just to clearly illustrate to everyone there is no right answer. There is right. no hard boundary where you go, nope, it's our policy and we're away. I just want to make right. sure everyone's 100% on board with the idea that um, we just don't do this. That is a very, very difficult line to hold. And most of us are probably not willing to hold that line. Um, we're just not willing to hold that line because of what we do. Now, if I fixed a cars and someone screeches into the parking lot and goes, my car engine is about to die. I'm, I'm probably going home, you know, like, right. well, get a cab and I'll see you here in the morning, you know? Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. No, but we, but, but pets are not that way and illnesses work that way. So I just want to be, I'm trying to illustrate the real true problem. That is not just a, well, just tell them you don't see the appointments and is there a policy all the way back. You got to Eric, uh, we have to, we have to, we have to work with, uh, with uh, Cheryl, about what to say when the client comes in. So we've got to train her on what to say. Ideally, we want an experienced front desk staff who can make some judgment calls and things like Mm -hmm. that. All Mm -hmm. right. So that's, that, that's the problem. So let's get out of this. Number one, what are our policies, which we are going to make when we're not angry, we're going to make non-emotional policies. The other Mm -hmm. thing is, honestly, it's good to discuss these policies and discuss them with your team because you want them to buy in the policies that I like. And honestly, how, how I try to run my business is I like to think I like to do what, what I think is fair, you know, and and I want to sit and say, if I was on the other side of the table, how would I, how would I feel about this? If, if I was magically picked up stripped of being a veterinarian, made a pet owner and put on the other side of the table, would I be okay with this? Or would I at least understand? 
And if the answer is no, then I really don't like that policy, you know? And so really what I want to do is get to, um, get to a place. It's called Rawls veil of ignorance. The idea with Rawls veil of ignorance is, and this is generally about, about racial inequality or, or class inequality. The idea in Rawls veil of ignorance is if you're in a society and you were magically snapped up and randomly assigned another body, another life, would you be okay with it? Like, would you be okay. like, yep, that's fine. And if the answer is no, then we have, uh, we have a problem. And the ultimate aspiration is for us to get to a place where you're in uh, in a society, in a business where you go, you know what, if I was picked up and I was made the customer sales rep, it would be a good job. You know what I mean? I, I would feel like I was paid fairly for my services. I would be happy to be there. If I was picked up and made the CEO, that would be great. You know, um, that's, that veil of ignorance of if you didn't know who you were or what role you had, would you be okay? Mm-hmm. And that the idea I try to I try to roll around in my head as I as I think about pet owners. And so so yeah so so there's a lot of thought about. I know we're getting philosophic here, but when we have problems like this that are so philosophic in nature, I, I think you kind of have to be. So mm-hmm. I want something that that pet owners should at least understand, and that if I was on the other side of the table, I would at least understand. Okay, so. Setting my policies, Rawls veil of ignorance. Would I be okay with it if I was a pet owner? How can I sort of make this? Um, and then be realistic about what the what the um, what your status is. If you plan to go home at six o'clock at night, and you and your last appointment ends at five forty-five, and you're a walk-in practice, and you always have three appointments waiting, you're not going home at six o'clock. Mm-mm. Like you're yeah. not. Like you. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care what the schedule. Yeah. I don't care what Avalmark says. Right. I don't care what's on there. The reality for me is when do I walk out this door mm-hmm. and when do I get home to sit down to dinner with, with my kids and my wife? Like that, that's the real, that's where the rubber mm-hmm. meets the road. Yeah. Arguing with me about what's on the schedule doesn't, that doesn't matter. That, that's, that's, you can just take stuff off the schedule. The people still show up and I have to do the work, you know, and, and, and I don't, I don't get home. That's the reality. So in some way it's gotta be realistic. If you're walk in practice and you want to go home at six, you probably can't stop at 545. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, we take our last appointment at five. For that re- and it seems to work. We tend right. to go home yeah. at six. Like that, that that's that's how it goes. And it, it works out. And that's the decision we made. I'm not saying you should go home at six. Like your clinic may feel differently. But we decided we're gonna go home at six. We figured out that we take our last appointment at five, then we are generally able to do that. We do not take cases after five thirty and uh and that helps us and we have honed it down to where we generally get to go home when we want to go home mm-hmm. on the regular. And so we put those systems in place. And I think that that is really where we're trying to work to. Yeah, I think for for me, it's about being clear about who you are as a practice and as a team. And and so I think that's going to look different for every practice. There are practices um, like your practice where if you close your doors at six and you never see anything after 530, that, that's fantastic. If you are a practice who... Um, is always willing to see patients after closing, you're always on call, great. That works for you. No matter where you fall on the continuum and the rainbow spectrum here, because we're all going to fall in different places, the reality is whatever we decide our business model is and live to as a business model is a very specific story that we are choosing to tell our community and our clients. And I think that we all need to sit back and zoom out and think about there are ramifications of telling that story 
um, right or wrong, no, no matter how we choose to tell it. And so I think it's really important to, as a team, be very clear on who you are. Carol cannot be sitting at the front desk and just saying that's policy. Everybody needs yep. to understand who you are and why you're doing what you're doing and be able to explain that not only to your team so that they understand it, so that if they're expected to be on call until, you know, whenever we're done for the night, they understand what they're walking into and being a part of. Um, and so that the clients understand who and what you are as, as a, as a group and um, as a practice, because yep. that, that might fit for lots of clients and for other clients, it might not. And that's okay. I, you know, none of us should want to have clients who don't fit in that, that model within our practice. Yeah, no, I, I yes, I think you, I think you're exactly right. So what is our, what is our policy, right? What, what are we trying to achieve? Are we realistic about what we're doing? And we have to adjust. You cannot pack your schedule full until closing time right. and expect to magically walk out on time. And I can right. run through the economics of that. I, I, I think it's beyond the scope of this podcast. When you start paying people overtime, uh, the finances uh, make less sense than usual, if making no sense at all. Uh, right. People burn out. There's there's a million reasons not to work past closing time, unless your model is to work past closing time. And you hire people and you say, we close at six, we go home at seven. Because we stay and we finish up all the things we took in until six. That works as long as that is the business model that you right. know and you're honest about it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, again, there's a million ways to do this. But be honest about what is actually happening and play to what you want. And you may have to start, you know, moving appointment blocks and things like that. That, that is just the way it is. You need to train the heck out of Carol, you know, at the front desk. Yeah. You, she, you need to give her tools to be successful because she is the voice of your practice. And right. it is really unpleasant for her to not know what to say when someone wants to come in. Like that's, that is, she's not going to like that. That is not a fun conversation. It right. is not good for you to have someone who doesn't know how you want to be represented or how to articulate the why mm -hmm. representing you because Carol can do a lot of damage when she says, well, Dr. Rourke wants to go home and right. uh, he, he's not staying past six o'clock. He can't, he's, right. he's, not, he's not willing to stay past six o'clock. That's terrible optics right. and messaging, you know? Right, um, right. I do not want the front desk to say that to people. And so I better give them the tools to represent this. And and again, a repeated surprise is not a surprise. It's your business model. Right. And this is going to happen. And so know it's going to happen and fix it and get it right and get your people equipped to deal with it as well as possible. Again, knowing that there's still going to be people who slip through the crack by coming in, collapsing into a chair and refusing to move. Like that will happen. But all the reasonable people will have been led away so that when that guy comes and collapses in the chair, it's a once in a blue moon occurrence and not part of the normal wave of people walking at the end of the day and, um, and sitting down and getting treated mm -hmm. so trainer this is a great role play exercise you want to do something fun get the front desk together i don't get the rest of the staff there because people well, people don't like performing in front of other people again role play role play, role play um is your friend don't call it role play call it practicing what we're going to say but you can play a game and it's can i get past carol and the game is i'm going to come in and it's 5 46 and I'm going to see if I can make Carol go to the back and ask the doctor if, if they'll see me and Carol, you know exactly what I'm going to do. And let's see if you can, let's see if you can stop me. Mm -hmm. And I am going to go out and hit all the buttons. 
I'm going to make Carol feel bad. I am going to give her a sob story. And and here's the other thing too. Carol being unrelenting is not the goal because when I come in with my dog, it was hit by a car and Carol's like, not going to ask the doctor. You know, like, I I don't know that that's the the practice you want to have. Right. So, so it's not, don't get me wrong here and say, Andy says we should practice to make sure that nothing ever gets back to the back. And the and the uh, and the practice and the and the and the CSRs are essentially stone wall. That's not what I'm saying. Right. But I'm saying make sure that she knows where the lines are. She's making good decisions about when to go back and ask. Hey, will you see this? Should we see this? What do you recommend? And just make the everybody make sure everybody's on board with what is the messaging and what are our what are our true boundaries. Yeah. No, I I I agree, and I feel like. This is one of those areas where you bring up the idea of role playing and everybody loses their mind. But really, this is just this is just practice because the reality is is that there, no matter what choice we make for our practice, whether our model is to close it at six and never see patients after five, or we see patients all the time, there are ramifications of the choice, no matter what boundary choice we make. And so your team has to feel comfortable and confident um, because there are going to be those clients that use emotional blackmail, whether it's in person or on social media, they're going to be the clients who, you know, um, moan and groan kind of quietly just to one CSR. And then you're going to have the clients who sit in the lobby and try and get everybody's attention and, you know, flop like your guy flop over and are like, yep, this is how I'm doing it. I'm playing the limp noodle. I'm making myself at home. Like the reality <laughs> I is. I would have thought to role play that. That was that. I Honestly, <laughs> I think I was most impressed by his creativity. I was like, I have never done that to attack to see what they would do. Like I have never <laughs> even tried that. I tried what I would love. What I would love to know is if your CSRs, if you guys were, if you guys were playing to try and convince each other and to try and be that client, would your CSRs have come up with it? Because they may have seen that behavior before. You may not have, but I've seen some crazy stuff as a CSR that that clients try and pull. And so my point is, we're going to have those, we're going to have people who, for whatever reason, that's, that's what happens. And so the only way for our teams to be prepared for that and for us to feel as a group, comfortable and confident in our boundaries, I think you and I both 100% agree, it has to involve practicing so that your team feels confident in dealing with the issue. And so if you call it role-playing, your team is collectively going to lose their shit and no one is going to want to participate. But if you practice and you get your CSRs to say, tell me about the craziest thing a client has ever said to you to try and get their foot in the door at four minutes to five, like that's something they can do. They don't think twice about it. It's like, oh, well, you know, last week I had this person and they're all rushing to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I I think that, I think that that is super, super important. Yeah. I I love that. So tell me about time. First of all, whenever I'm working, doing staff training, I love to use examples from the practice that are recent because then everyone can picture them in their mind. Like theoretical practice is nowhere close to as valuable as when my practice, we talk about the guy that came in and collapsed into the chair and just wouldn't move. Like we saw it, the people at the front desk is like, and, and, and this may be a client that everyone knows. And you guys all have clients that everyone knows. You can picture their face. It makes the training much more effective because we're talking in specifics. One of the things that really screws up training is high level. Like, no, all politics are local. All training is local. Who are we talking about? What exam room are they in? What is their pet? What is right. what exactly did they want? That makes for valuable training because everyone can sink their teeth into it. Another way to do this, don't call it role play. Just pair them off. Put text with text and front desk with front desk and say, I want you guys to try to get, I want you to try to get past each other. 
So if you're in the front desk, um, you, you take turns uh, trying to talk your way into an appointment and you trying to be empathetic, you know, be respectful, uh, you know, and hear this person and then execute our practice policies as you see them. And we'll talk about what they are and what you did to make sure that we're all in agreement of what our practice policies are. But the front desk works for the front desk and the technicians do the phone game where this person is on the phone and they want right. to come in because the techs right. take those calls. And so let them just role play. You're trying to talk your way in. You're trying to represent our practice and run our system. And at the end, there should be some people who got, who get in like that should happen probably. Yeah, but again, it happens. yeah, exactly. So yeah, I don't want to train my people to be heartless or cruel or, or anything. So, but anyway, I, I want them to, to get the experience. I've, one of my best friends in the world is a Marine. Um, he's retired, um, Marine, um, and, uh, combat veteran purple heart and he um one of his favorite sayings that has always stuck with me he says andy you you fight like you train and that's a marine corps saying is you fight like you train which means when the marines train they train and make it as realistic as they possibly can it's it's the same thing for us and i hate i hate comparing our interaction with clients to fighting but but you get the point of like if you want front desk to be successful yeah. go ahead and 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 um and show them some vet shaming because they're going to see it. And so show it to them uh, and, and let them work with it in a non-emotional way and let them get their head around what's happening and, and figure out what the truth is so that it's not an emotional thing. Right? We've got to make – one of the big things about going home at COVID time or any other time, you, you just cannot be an on-the-fly decision. And I see a lot of practices that are like when they come in, I go and I ask the doctor what they want to do and the doctor wants to tell me. That's a terrible idea, Right. It's a terrible idea because, honestly, once the front desk person goes back to talk to the doctor, the client has already knows that there is a very good chance that they will be seen, and their expectations have come up. Because once you go back to ask the doctor, the doctor is wonderful. She's going to say yes. Right. Which means if you come back and say no, my expectations have been raised, and now I'm more mad than I would have been if you had just said in the first place, no. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so I know that, that they're going back there. And so I've already set myself up for failure. The other thing is the doctor, the kind hearted doctor who gave four years of their life to go to vet school and is $200,000 in the hole because they want to help animals is the worst person you can possibly ask <laughs> about whether or not we should stay here. If you were, you know what I mean? If you're trying not to burn yeah. your staff out and you want people to go home, that's who's got the most invested in saving. <laughs> Let's ask her. That's awful idea. It just, again, I've done it. I know what happens if you ask me and the front desk knows if we ask Rourke, he's going to say we should see it because <laughs> he's a pushover and he wants people to like him. And he, and he really likes being a vet. Like he's good. So my advice to them is don't ask me <laughs> like, let's make a policy that that represents what we collectively believe not in the heat of the moment yeah and i think that's totally true and i think a lot of us see it in our practice um completely not um with bad intentions i think sometimes it happens intentionally but it's done with good intentions which is that the front desk empathizes because they're kind amazing human beings and they're like I just like this client is I don't want to say no I don't want to disappoint them and so what do they do they go to the path of least resistance and so yes. the po- where 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 it is policy to go and ask someone can we do this thing they'll go to the bleeding heart that they know is going to say yes because <laughs> it's the path of least resistance and they don't want to have to be the one to go back up front and e- explain that to 
um, the the client, which is why that is the worst policy in the world. Because yep. then you're setting up the team to be angry with each other. Because then the techs who had plans at six o'clock are mad that the doctor said yes and that the front yep. desk didn't just do their job in the first place and tell the client, hey, we close at six, we can't see you. Yep. And so that is the worst possible policy yeah. in the world. To have. Oh, definitely. And, and, and you're, you're exactly right about going to the softest doctor because the front desk just like, they're like, I'll go ask a doctor. Well, you've got doctor, you know, uh, uh, doctor, um, I don't know, Schwarzenegger, who's like, I am going home. Like, you're not asking that guy. Right. You're going to totally go ask Dr. Meg Ryan, who's super sweet. You know what I mean? And who's the, who's the sweet, never going to get mad, you know, right. bleeding right. heart doctor, because she's going to go, oh, we should see them. Right. You know, and, and, and then you get to go be the good guy because you get to tell the pet owner what they want to hear. And right. so if you let people pass the buck and not be the bad guy, they will pass the buck and not right. be the bad guy. I, I would do. We all would. Nobody's like, let you know what? Let me step up and be the bad guy here, even though I don't have to be. That's not going to happen. Now, the question is, we've talked, we've talked and everybody is listening going, okay, but we, we know all this. We're living all of this in our practice. How the hell do we actually deal with it? And so for me, this conversation started with the actual fact that um, COVID is a thing. It's happening. It's impacting our teams. It's impacting our clients. And we recognize that it's impacting our clients. And I think we have maybe, for some of us, not done as good of a job of explaining and opening up and embracing the fact that it is also impacting our team. And so we have to preserve the mental and physical health of our team. And so if you're, if you're in a place where your practice is having to make changes to your normal protocols and policies, I think that it's important, doubly important to figure out how you're going to say what you're going to say to your clients, because this is, this is maybe a change Mm -hmm. and they need to understand the why behind you're making that you making that change so that it becomes easier for them to accept it. Because if they don't understand the why they're going to be, they're just going to blow you off. That's what happens in the clinic where they don't understand why you don't see patients after five. You haven't told the story. You haven't set the stage. They don't know what the expectation is. Right. So, you have to start laying the groundwork and just know that there's no switch that you can flip now to, um, to get out of this. When we did our life balance episode, it's always called uh, my boss. I rule so hard at life balance. One of my favorite things to say about life balance is life balance does not happen today. Life balance happened three months ago. You missed it. Right. Like three months ago is when you needed to start in this case, communicating to clients what your policy was of not seeing appointments after 530, mm-hmm. communicating to them where the referral clinic was, uh, mm-hmm. that uh, communicating to them your after hours communication policy, mm-hmm. uh, putting up a sign that says uh, we uh, we are unable to see cases after 530 p.m., mm-hmm. everything to communicate it. So it's not just the front desk person who seems right. like the only boundary, like signs of authority and status. We have a, we have a little, a nice little sign on the desk. Uh, it's like a little engraved thing that says we're unable to see, we are unable to take a point or our last appointment is um is uh is taken at 5 30 p.m so something like that right but but it's not just ask the front desk and she'll tell you right we are trying to send multiple signals that this is not about you it's not about whether we like you or not right. like you there's nothing personal about this we, we literally have a plaque that is made that says this right and we've been communicating uh for for months and months it has always been our policy and, and what I'm trying to do is take as many people off the the list as possible. So every person who is like, you know what, 
I need to get in. I know that they, they don't take clients after, you know, when you get close to the end of the day, they won't see you. So I need to go ahead and get in there. If I can put that thought in someone's head, so they just get off the couch and come in at three and walk in. I don't care. Walking at three instead of walking at five forty-five. Right. Every person I can put that that thought into. I have taken that load off. So that when the guy comes in at five forty-five and collapses in the lobby, he is not there with six other people who are right. also showing up. He is right. the one oddball outlier, not part of a general flood of people. So right. go back in time, start three months ago, or start now and know this is going to take you three months to get this whole. Right. Start communicating, communicating across platforms. Make it clear. Make it obvious. Put it up in the lobby. You know, like. Put it up as a sign and put it on people's lobbies. Or, or sorry, on people's lobbies. Put it on people's invoices. You know what I mean? Like, like that is it. We do not, like, blah, 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 blah. After, after 5 p.m., if you have an emergency, call this number or uh, or call our emergency line or blah, blah, blah. Right. How, however you have your policy set up. You need to figure that out. And so I don't think it's okay. And again, people can disagree with this. It's not right or wrong. From a moral standpoint, I do not have never felt good about saying at five o'clock I'm out and pet owners can figure something else out. Like that doesn't mesh with who I am as a person. That does not mean that I'm going to be there to see your pet. What it means is I am going to figure out where they should go, how I'm going to support them without me being available to them. And that is key. And so I said, people, I'm always wary of this conversation because people get angry at me before I can get to where I'm really going, which is I want you to do the most good you can in the world. You cannot pour from an empty cup. You cannot feed from an empty pantry. You have got to take care of yourself so you can continue to help people for decades to come, right? That is my, that, so when I say send them away, I am not saying send them away because I don't care. I'm saying send them away because you are a non-renewable resource and you have got to take care and be well-managed so that you have the energy to and the ability to help people for the long term and not burn out and not burn out your staff. And so I'm not going to close the door in someone's face and say, figure it out. Here's a here's a phone number. I want to communicate to them. This is how it works. And I want my technicians when they call and say, I have this thing, the technicians to be able to know that after 5 p.m. we give them this information and this is where we send them and this is how we support them. And that we will call them in the morning. Uh, to if, if they went to the clinic or whatever our policies are so we can continue to be involved so that we can support them in a way that we are able to do without burning out. I will help you even without making a profit sometimes. I mean, that, that, that's, I, I want to help, but there's a difference in me working for free versus me paying to work. And mm-hmm. when I am burning out my staff, that is me paying to work. And so I, 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 I don't know. I hope that makes some sense. It totally does. And I will say that the sharpest tool in my tool belt for dealing with this um, relates specifically to what you just talked about, which is that I do believe that you should have boundaries. And I think that you should be explaining them to your to your team, to your clients. It should be clear you were you absolutely sum that up so beautifully. The way that I go about doing that and the way that I want to teach my team to go about doing that is from a very positive client service perspective. And that is your team has to be using transformational vocabulary and they have to be framing things for your clients. And so the message cannot be what we can't do for you. The message absolutely can be what we can do for you. And so it is 100% okay to say we don't take a client after five o'clock. And so 
the tool that your CSR should instinctively reach for and just know how to say to a client is, you know what, I absolutely can, uh, can get a copy of your chart and I'll get it sent over to the emergency clinic right now so that they have it when you arrive, because we're going to need you to, um, you know, we're going to need you to head over there. Do you know where it is? Let me give you directions. Um, they need to be able to frame it so that they are telling the client where your boundaries lie and also not doing it in a way that negatively reinforces that behavior for the client, but very much is the positive. This is what I can do to help you, um, take care of this problem. You don't have to, the answer doesn't have to be, you take all of those things when they walk in the door at four minutes to five. The answer can absolutely be that you're going to send them to the ER. And it's, you know, it's simple as saying, hey, you know what, we don't actually see after hours cases. However, we have a great relationship with the trauma center, which is right down the road. Have you been there Mm -hmm. before? I can, let me give you directions and then I'm going to send your chart over there so that they have it when you get there. That is such a positive reinforcement for a client that Mm -hmm. they don't think twice about the fact that you are telling them no. I, I completely agree. And I, I talk to front desk people about that a lot is positive framing. Don't say, don't even say we can't see appointments after five. You say we see appointments until 5 PM after that. We refer them over to the emergency clinic. Yeah, yeah. Like I didn't tell you I can't do it. You know, everything was positive about what we can do. So yeah. I completely agree with the, with the positive framing. Yeah. Okay. So that so that is on a normal day. That is that is how we do it, right? Um, non emotional decisions about what our policies are. A lot of communication training, um, positive phrasing. Uh, figuring out what, where the boundaries are, send a ton of signals so that the first time they hear that you don't see after uh, patients after 5.30 is not when they're standing there with their dog at 5.47, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. just communicate it, communicate however you can. Um, if you send people to an emergency clinic, uh, make that very clear, put it on the door, like have a plan for where yep. they are going to go because I don't think it's okay for you for us to just say, well, I'm out, it's six o'clock right. and I'm out. right. Like, yep. mm-hmm. I told you that I care. I send your dog a birthday card or your cat a birthday card on their birthday. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that will be available to you forever. I don't think that's reasonable. I don't think people really expect that when they're unemotional. Um, but I should have a plan for you. Right. And I should, you know, put myself on, on your side of the table. The last thing I would say this, as far as communicating, <clears throat> and this is just general advice for communicating with pet owners. They don't want to hear about us. They want to hear about them. Right. And so um, our people need to go home and recharge is not a message that they're going to be excited about. It's it's true. It's honest. It's important. That's not a message they want to hear. What they want to hear is our staff leaves at six o'clock and we are not able to take care of your pet here. And we want your pet to be taken care of, which means to help you, I need to send you to the emergency clinic. I am doing this for you. I'm not doing this for my people. I am doing it because everybody's going home. We do not have people here in the evenings. Um, Your pet needs care. And that means your pet needs to go to the emergency clinic. Right. And and I very much frame it about them. And and again, it goes back to uh, the, my boss, I roll so hard at life balance. It's true. It's true that, that we need to take care of ourselves. Of course, that, that's very, very true. And I'm a big believer in that. It's just not the most effective t- 
tactic to take in communicating when you want people in the moment to be um, to, to buy into what you're saying. Um, and so I don't know if I'm saying that well, but essentially I hope, I hope you guys are here. What I'm saying is we have boundaries. We need to go home. We need to respect our staff's time. We need to give them time to recharge. Those are not compelling reasons. Those are not compelling whys to the pet owner who has a pet who's been vomiting when they got home from work about mm-hmm. why you want their pet, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, so mm-hmm. you think about that and figure out how do we turn it into this is why this decision is good for you and important uh, for your pet. And and that's the last thing I'll say about the phrasing. Uh, that's, that's sort of my standard get out of, uh, get out of the place on time talk. Know that people are going to get through. You are going to get stuck. That is part of this life, but you should work continuously to improve the system, to minimize the number of times that you get stuck uh, and, and still do right by the pet owners. And then yeah. when they get through, Hopefully it won't be the norm and you can decide to feel good about helping someone who needed that help um, and and then going on with your life. So so that's sort of the nuanced balance that, that I have come to believe in. Yeah. And I, I think you said it, um, the most important thing for me in terms of dealing with this in the times of COVID um, is what you said about you can't pour from an empty cup. And I think the reality is um, for so many of us that there is so much happening right now and there's so much happening outside of COVID in our world and everybody is tired and everybody is tapped out emotionally and um, there's a lot there's a lot of work that is being done outside of work for a lot of people right now and in order to do that we have to take care of ourselves and so I, I 100% believe that your why could be that you need to take care of yourself and you need to take care of your team. And I think the most important tool that you shared just now is that it is important from the client's perspective to frame it for them so that they understand what you can do for their pet and why you can do it. Um, It's not that they don't care about you. They do actually care about your team. They bring us cookies. They bring us wine. They do care. And in the moment when they're dealing with an emotional response to their pet being in pain or, um, you know, being hurt or concerned about them, that why very easily goes out the window and it's easy for them to be consumed by emotion. And I think it's Mm -hmm. easy for us to put ourselves in their shoes and empathize with that. And so the best tool we have is to look at it from a practical perspective and say, we know they care about us, but it can't be about us when we have the conversation because that's only going to go so far with the people that do care about us. What about the clients who aren't those A clients who their, their motivation is solely their pet? Mm. How do we we reach them? And so I think the important part is very much in how we, how we frame it and which is, you know, we've talked about knowing which buttons to push or levers to pull, um, it, it very much is the case, the case here in, in terms of COVID. Yeah. So, so here's the big COVID part that I want to add to this. Cause everything we set up at this point pretty much fits with, with regular old, um, just getting out on time. The COVID part for me comes and again, this is very practice specific. So it's hard for me to make big sweeping, um, statements about, about what you should do now. We need to be honest about what is going on in our practices in response to COVID. And if you can't get people into your practice 
um, when they, if you can't get people into your practice and they try to get in because their, um, their dog has vomited twice, that may be the reality of where you are. Mm -hmm. But if you tell them you can't get them in when their dog has vomited twice, you should know that you're probably going to be on the hook when they show up at your door because the dog has vomited 12 times. You know what I mean? Right. Like they tried to get in and, and we wouldn't see them when they tried to get in. And, we, and, and again, from their perspective, no one's wrong here. I'm not trying to shame anybody. But we can't, it's hard to square the idea of we're here for you, we care about you, we send your cat birthday cards. But we can't get you in when you ask to be seen. And now that you're in trouble, we're not going to get you in again. Like, I, I think you can see the optics of that. I think we can all empathize with the pet owners. And so while I, um, while I laid out everything about the boundaries, I do think that practice owners and managers need to be honest about what's happening now and, um, and making adjustments because of COVID to some of our policies, which may mean um, we may – for a limited time, maybe over the summer, maybe we're going to have an on-call doctor just in the evenings to take overflow, you know, and say, hey, guys, mm -hmm. we're not planning mm -hmm. to go back to having on-call, but I need a doctor that's going to be the doctor from 6 to 10 or 6 to 8 who takes emergency stuff that shows up that we cannot fit in. Mm -hmm. Or we're going to take fewer appointments and have more uh, emergency blocks that we will right. unlock you know, mm -hmm. an hour or two before we get to those blocks so that people who are calling with something emergent can get in. Mm -hmm. I, I think we have a, some, I think we have a responsibility to figure that stuff out. If we want to, yes. if we're going to tell people that we're here for them, then we got to be here for them. Talk is yes. cheap, I guess is what I'm saying. And so that does require some hard calls that, like I said, that may be some creative staffing, some sort of uh, on call sort of thing for doctors. And again, I, I don't want to be on call. I've been on, you know what I mean? I am definitely not. I am, I am still a doctor at my core. I'm still, practicing uh tuesdays and thursdays and, and I, I don't want to be on call mm -hmm. but at the same time if someone came to me with a a temporary solution to try to get out of the hole that we're in i would see that as a reasonable thing as long as there was you know clear expectations of of when this would be over and how we would do it and and the why was there you know and so mm -hmm. those are just i'm not trying to put that on anybody but i'm saying we should be having those conversations of this is where we are and we can't get people in and we don't want people to feel abandoned. And when we have sick pets, we need to be more flexible maybe than we would be in the past. And more flexible doesn't mean just take pets that we don't have the capacity to take care of and right. just let them come in and wait for two hours. Like that's not what that means. It, it, yeah. it, it means making tough decisions and everyone is different. I'm not trying to tell anybody what decision to make because it's just too practice specific. Yeah. <sighs> oh man. Well, that's what I got. You got anything else? No, I think, I think this is a hard one and I would be curious. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious to continue reading and, and learning and seeing what everybody is doing in, in their practices and, you know, seeing how they're, they're addressing it. Because I think the number one thing for, for me was that this, oh gosh, does this resonate? And it's, and it's hard and we all, we all experience it, and I think a lot of us are experiencing it now more than normal. And so I think it is really important to take a step back and look at it with our teams and say, 
this is a thing. Like this may not become our normal business model, but right now this is very much a thing and we need to actually look at it for what it is and figure out what our game plan is. Because if our game plan is to just keep putting our head down and Navy sealing it, we may have people ring out and we may not yes. be able to make to the end of to yeah. the end of this. And so we need to figure out how are we gonna how are we gonna deal with this? And it is and 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 that it is okay, it is one hundred percent okay for it to be a very sharp boundary and to mm-hmm. say, we cannot handle this right now. We are drowning and so we are absolutely not gonna take clients after, you know, four o'clock because we are going home at five o'clock on the dot and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what it is. That is okay. Yeah. Sure. And that and that doesn't just because you do that now, going right. back to precedent. Doesn't mean you have to do that forever. Right. It, sometimes we make temporary calls and say, we yeah. are not able to take these things. They absolutely 100% must go to the emergency clinic. Yeah. Like exceptions we would have made in the past, we are not able to make now. But we need to communicate that to the staff, right? They, they yeah. need to know. And we need to be intentional. I guess intentionality is, is, a, is a big thing for me. Reject precedent, right? Yeah. Like don't get buried in, if I do this once, I have to do it forever. Or because we're doing things now, we will do them forever going onward. Um, I, I think it's important to, to, to reject that. Balance taking care of yourself with uh, the client experience and what we tell them about being there for them. So we, we, we have to balance that, um, not abandoning them versus having our own boundaries. And that's always a tricky line. And, and uh, everyone's, answer to that is going to be different. So um, anyway, that's that's kind of where we're all, where I'll stop today. Yep. I love it. Hang in there, guys. Yeah, definitely, guys. Um, do your best. Keep it up. This too shall pass. But take care of yourselves. I'll talk to you later on. Have a great week. And that's our show. Guys, I hope it was helpful. I hope it was useful. I hope it gets you out of work on time. It makes you feel a little bit better if you actually do decide to stay. Decide to stay with intentionality. Guys, uh, we'd love to hear what's going on with you. If we can help, please shoot us an email. The email address is podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at unchartedvet.com. And as always, it means the world to us if you're willing to leave us a review on iTunes. Doesn't even have to be five stars. Uh, but the fact that you're still listening means that you must have gotten something out of it uh, or you wouldn't be here. Let's be honest. Still, you don't have to have a five-star review. Just an honest review. It helps us find people who we can help. So that means the world to us. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Be well, be safe, take care of yourself and others. Let's be the people that our patients deserve.